This episode of Film Sack is brought to you by the generous support of listeners like you. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash frogpants and consider contributing today. That's patreon.com slash frogpants. Good to see you. Don't you give me that. We had dinner last night together, remember? Be nice. When I think that you've earned that privilege, I'll let you know. This is Film Sack. Oh, sure. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind. This is episode 409. Not the cleaner, just a number. I was about to say 409. <laughs> yeah, my my whole childhood, everything was cleaned with 409. It works. Growing up. Yeah, it does work. Yeah. This movie Every was surface. a dirty... This movie was a dirty dozen, and, and it we clean, got the cleaned it with 409. It hey, I don't like. Hey, that's not bad. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, but not bad. All right, uh, there goes the Twitter kinda, post. There you go. Kind of like this movie. Yeah, uh, 409 is the episode, and uh, I'm Scott Johnson, joined today by Brian Kojak. Is kind of racist, Dunaway. Kind of racist. That dude is full on racist. Mm. Oh, hi. Hi. This week on Film Sack, the Funky Four were sentenced to two and a half hours of hard labor. Due to some mm, indiscretions. Saturday night at Ibbett's house. Am I right? Ibbett? <laughs> yes. Ibbett. Sir, yes, sir. You know what you did, you Telly Savalas looking creep. Anywho, <laughs> let's go over the anywho, let's go over the plan. One, log in to Netflix. Netflix. We've just begun. Oh, you could you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna do it with me? Did you well you oh, asked yeah. us to? Did you want me to? Well you never responded, so oh. get in line. Sir, yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. One. One. Here we, here we go. One, log in to Netflix. We've, We've just begun. Just begun. Two. Just me? No, neither, no, no, you guys right. aren't. Let know. me do it. I'll just do it by myself. Right, you just, Forget you just these guys. All right. Two, no Netflix. No Netflix. Not now. Watch that new original later. Three, start the film. Start the make film. The make the popcorn. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just remembered that one for some reason. Four, fall asleep halfway through. Did that. No mm-hmm. problem. Five, oh no, wake up and write the intro. Why don't those things rhyme? I don't know. It was dumb. Anyway, and where is Donner Sutherland? Where is he? Oh, he's he's uh, face down on the ground with a look on his face like he had no idea bullets would hurt so much. Yep. Everybody get a good look. All right. Move along. Move along. Hey, what's the slowest possible way to get out of this intro? Perfect. Let's go. Yeah. No way. To, no way did they drive that thing all the way down to the beach. No. Worst road trip ever. Yeah. That's pretty bad. By the way, I thought I was I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm sure we all noticed it, but everybody stopped and paused and looked at Donald Sutherland face down. They there. did. Yeah. They all like walked yeah. by and went, Irk. It was it's like now on your left, you'll see Donald Sutherland. After like, <laughs> like the fourth guy, guy fourth or fifth guy, I'm like, okay, we get it. Yeah, one yeah. of your one of yours is gone, and you've noticed. We get it. And the sixth guy, you better not look at him. And then the sixth guy got, got killed. Anyway, we'll they talk were, about that they later. Were so yeah, let's talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> also with us, Randy. He got tangled up in a tree. Jordan. Aloha, Scott. Brian. Hi. Brian. Hi. Randy. Okay, you maggots. 
I know you're tired and we've been over this and over this. And I know you've spent your entire month of training cracking jokes and partying with magical women who just appear out of nowhere for the purpose of sexing you and then disappear back into the magical realm from which they came. And I know it took you guys a month to build a couple of prefab houses. And seriously, with two buddies, I could have built this compound in like five days, maybe six, <laughs> if we had to entertain magical women. And I know that you boys take copious smoke breaks. Like, holy crap, do you smoke a lot? Fellas, we're going to have to send you on suicide mission at age 28 because you're going to die of lung cancer in like three years. Still, still. The world is depending on us to carry out this incredibly important mission. So, one more time. One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, bar over the door. Five, six, drop grenades and gasoline down the air vents. Whoa, brutal. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> uh, just getting, uh, that whole, uh, anyway. We'll get we'll get there. We'll talk about it. Also with us, and finally, Brian. Got 50 bucks? A bit. <laughs> I love seeing him in there. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I guess if you just want to do something right, apparently you just have to do it yourself. Randy, I think you'll know how to finish this up. But I present to you the Dirty Dubbin. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm starting this over. Do it again. Uh, <laughs> do it again. I did that. I recorded this for about the, for the, the, the last hour. Okay. One. Film society has begun. Two. Ladies are one time through. <laughs> Three, Scottish Mrs. Ryan D. Four, Ryan says Ohio once more. Five, Ray's intro does arrive. Six, Grab your crucifix. Oh, sorry. Seven, did I ever tell you to the time seven? Eight, if it's intro, don't be late. Nine, right now you're hearing mine. And ten, too tired to do it again. Ready? There's no, mm-hmm. there's no 11 like or 12. You didn't do Just 11. Just like a Saturday it. night at Ibbitt's house. house. Right, you're supposed to <laughs> pipe in. I mean... <laughs> Hold on, who were all the voices? Was it you just redoing them all? Yeah, and that was me yeah. dubbing my voice 12 times oh in GarageBand, sitting at the that table. Was, <laughs> that's great. I loved on it. My, hey. On my iPad. Mm. I particularly liked the version where it was you going, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like the, you, you changed your I voice. Had, uh, I used Monster and Chipmunk in uh, a couple of those voices. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be racist, racist if I did... It's time to do it again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? But I, I wanted, but to... not so, not so racist. You wouldn't do it right now. Yeah, but yeah, no, not so yeah. racist. Exactly. I had to tell you how I wasn't racist by doing something racist. You know that guy peeled out of there. The, the, the him getting tangled up in a tree and being the first casualty was yeah. last minute decision. That dude quit because uh, he was so he's a singer and he was yeah. buddies with um, Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra said, "This movie's beneath you. You should get out of here and tour more and like focus on your music." And he got all wound up one day and just said, that's it, I'm quitting. And they'd filmed none of the rest of the movie. So they just said, oh, yeah, he got hung up in a tree and died. That's an awesome way to go in a movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I thought it was I thought it was like, that was a good ride in. I thought they did good with yeah, it. He yeah, went, he got it's to funny, do... like a completely off-screen death. Like, oh, by the way, uh, we're not going to show you how yeah, we died. Right, right. <laughs> this, yeah. this whole movie is, is, is wrapped up around the fact there's 12 guys. And we're just going to like, eh, you know. How do you, how do you do? Yeah. Hang up in a tree. Yeah. Let's keep moving. This is all and true. You were, you know, you were complaining about the length, but when you have this many principles to establish, mm-hmm. like 
it takes a long time just to name them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's a there's a point where he early in the film where he's going around to their various cells and trying to talk them into taking this mission, and it's like. You could tell the script probably had 12 scenes mm-hmm. and they're like, no, we're only going to do about four of them. We're going to stick some of these guys in the same cell. Mm-hmm. Like that no, movie could have been 10 hours long. These were like the extra doctors on MASH to me because there were there on MASH. You would always watch it and you'd see Hawkeye and you'd see uh, Frank and everybody and they would be doing their thing. And but in the background, there'd be these other surgeons that you never meet. They just would be there for crowd right. shots or the parties in the tent or show up for breakfast or whatever. But you'd never have any idea who they were. Or on Lost. Lost, there was always a ton of people on yeah. an island you'd yes. never get to know. Right. <laughs> and this was like right. that. There were there were parts of the 12, despite the fact that they got kind of called out in the beginning. They just never had a role again. Like, they just never did yeah. anything. Yeah, just stand out. 12 is too many, too many leads. Plus, you really have 13 because, of course, Lee Marvin... But um, lead Marvin, it's too many people to keep track of. Yeah, Lee Marvin, so by the way, if forty three in this movie, he's uh, in his real age when he was making this. He was forty two and forty three. I would just like to point out that dudes in the sixties who were in their forties <laughs> looked like they were in their eighties. Like what the hell? <laughs> How is that forty three? Older, yeah, that's yeah. crazy to me. He looks well, older yeah. than um, at forty three. He looks older than my ninety one year old father in law. Yeah, but he still looks like he could kick the ass of a 25-year-old. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And the first time you see Charles Bronson, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, he's been in the service for a while. Like, this is a weird thing. Like, what kind of crime does a 60-year-old man in the <laughs> army commit yeah, yeah. that all gets of, him thrown in jail? All of these guys were much older. They, they were they were acting like they were, you know, active in their 20s, but most of them looked like they were 40, 50, 60 years well, old. Well, most of them look 60, 80, but most of them were low 40s. And in the case of Charles Charles Bronson, he looks younger than Lee Marvin, but he's 46. So he's mm. actually four years older, three or four years older than Lee Marvin. But Lee Marvin looks like he gave birth to everybody in that room. Like, <laughs> By the way, so Charles weird. Bronson looks... Charles Bronson looks a lot better without that pencil thin mustache he sported later uh, on. Oh, you think? Agreed. I don't know. I like I like him without the mustache. Dunaway, Team Johnson, Johnson away. <laughs> By the way, uh, when you guys watch the Oscars uh, in a couple of weeks, look for the in memoriam segment to have Clint Walker, the yeah, yeah. big burly Clint Walker, died in 2018 don't at the age me. of 90. Oh my. He did all right. Uh, played wow. played Posey in this in this film. His only uh, job was to be imposing, so I guess that kind of <laughs> fits. But anyway, uh, he's on my mind because he is the he is the second example of Lee Marvin knows jujitsu. Holy crap! Does this movie <laughs> yeah. decide to demonstrate to you that Major Reisman can take down anybody with just his hips? Oh yeah, right. well that dude's got some. He's got it where it counts, but. So for those listening and going, what the hell movie is this? It's The Dirty Dozen uh, is the movie we're talking about. It's uh, 12 dudes who uh, what did terrible things in prison, or are now in prison, sorry, military prison for doing terrible things as soldiers. And uh, they range from um, straight up murder to mutiny to, uh, you know, subverting uh, authority to, turns out with Telly Savalas, full on rape and murder. Jeez, so yeah. well done there, Telly Savalas, who I think is actually really. You, baby. I think he's. I think he's really good in this. Like he's actually one oh, of the yeah. performances yeah. that stands out. He's also creepy as shit and gives me the willies every time he does anything. But I think that's you know again and due to his good. That performance. almost went to that almost that character almost went to Jack Palance. If mm-hmm. I read that trivia correct, right. yeah. and, yes. and he he said no, and not unless you cut back on the on the racism. 
And uh, they said, nah, we want, we want the racism. And Telly Savalas said, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Telly Savalas was all in. I mean, he was pretty young here. Uh, well, no, he was like 41 or something. Right. Uh, again, looking like he's 52, but it's fine. Whatever. This is a different time. They're all drinking and smoking themselves into, into older age. Like that was the, yeah. er, that hey, was the era. Then, a lot of them and, made it pretty good ways. Oh, yeah. uh, and in 1987, Telly Savalas took the Lee Marvin role and mm-hmm. uh, for a TV movie called The Dirty Dozen, The Deadly Mission. So it was basically no. a remake of The Dirty Dozen direct to TV. And uh, Wasn't it a sequel? Uh, I thought it was a sequel. No, there is a sequel uh, that did have Lee Marvin um, resuming his role, but this one was a remake or a reboot, or not a reboot, but yeah, a remake oh. of The Dirty Dozen called The Deadly Mission with uh, Telly Savalas as the main guy. Did not but it also that. did have Ernest Borgnine doing his, his same role. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah, I know they... What do you think, think about Borgnine in this one? This uh, was kind of... <laughs> Dude, Borgnine's awesome. <laughs> just freaking bring, bring him out. He's like five miles wide, that guy. just He's got the craziest <laughs> face. Chested. Weird and teeth. Give him, give him some credit for great acting. That that like the middle so there this is a movie in five acts, right? And mm-hmm. the middle act is this ridiculous training exercise that quite frankly you could pull it completely out of the film and it wouldn't change anything. Yes, please. But but whatever. It's it's there, it's fun and it's ridiculous. And Ernest Borgnine has to do a bunch of acting with just his eyes and his expressions, and it's amazing. Like every time you see him, you're like Wonder what he was really looking at mm-hmm. as he looked toward the camera and like these little glances and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was that for me. That was the best acting in the film was him quietly letting people know that he was in on the on the ruse. Yeah, he's great. I I have no, I never have qualms about him showing up in a movie we watch. I, I get excited about it. There's something about him. There's a presence there. It's both goofy and weird. Sometimes feels a little miscast, but always entertaining. Like I don't know what it is with him. But but what about the miscast thing? Like you come up when you first meet him, you're like, how did this guy get to be a general? But then like he's one of the few in the whole cast that actually served. Like he actually, you know what I mean? Like how do you get that feeling from the actual guy? Well, a lot of those guys did. So um, Lee Marvin was in the army. Charles Bronson was in the army. Who else? Or you said Borgnine? So a couple other guys. List. Yeah, that's right. I remember seeing a whole list on. uh, uh, trivia section of IMDb, like uh, like <laughs> a third or fourth of the or, or half of the guys in the Dirty Dozen were in some form of military. Yeah, and Lee Marvin, right. who was known as a full blown alcoholic, said uh, called this movie crap and said just a dummy money maker. Although he said he enjoyed making it, but he said the money the movie just really had nothing to do with war. Uh, he was pleased he got to do the Big Red One in 1980 because that much more uh, mirrored his wartime experiences, but. Uh, Right. He said all of us were too old to play the p- characters we were playing. The book it's based on, they were all in their early twenties, and some of them in their late teens. Right. Like it's just a. That, it, that's it, what that's that's kind of stuff it took away from it too. But you know, it's a really smart movie, and it's a it's a movie formula that's been used a lot over the years. And I I think it was, I I I like the film. I haven't watched mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah. Uh, it's but I I realized that I've only seen. The last forty-five minutes. It's the best times. forty-five I, minutes. That's the yeah, best part of the movie. I, yeah, because I think I've, I've I've seen the last forty-five minutes probably at least six times, but yeah. I don't remember hardly oh, wow. any of the rest of it. So oh. the rest of it. So for me, I remembered the whole film, but not the whole film because my dad, who lo- loved movies like this, we talked about this before. He he would like when VHS came around. My dad would go to great lengths to get like these certain movies that he loved. Uh, he got a VHS copy of the Dirty Dozen 
that had something like PBS on the sleeve and had been edited to be PG rated so it could be shown on broadcast television. Oh, wow. And this was this was in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that. And without the R-rated stuff, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like you never see anybody get shot. You just see pa 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 And that's and it's like, okay, but who died? And you'd have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like the whole movie. And like so I was shocked when you see them dropping grenades and gasoline down those vents because like yeah. I never saw that. I I don't remember that being oh, wow. in the movie. Mm. Yeah, I I never saw it. This is my first viewing. I I always just yeah. knew it existed. And oh, you know what? Elephant in the room. Let's get this out of the way. Last week, you guys, a couple of you were in the cahoots here, but uh, I thought it was a western, and I had it in my head f- uh, for years and years and years that the Dirty Dozen, <laughs> right. when you said that word, that what you were really talking about was the Wild Bunch, and I've I've conflated right, those right. two movies. And in or my the mind, Magnificent Seven, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I knew the Magnificent Seven was different because i've watched that a billion times um the old one and i so i so i knew it existed but probably I, that was part of it but also just you know dirty dozen wild bunch it sounds like mm-hmm. those two movies could both either be westerns or you know goofed up military people yeah. and so i've just i've just conflated them for years and years and years and man could you at home uh, calm yourselves down? Because gosh dang it, every five seconds, email, tweet, something was just coming through going, um, Scott, that's not a Western. And then when I started showing pictures of it yesterday going, all right, we're doing the Dirty Dozen, getting excited, all these replies coming back going, well, that's not a Western. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. I get it. I screwed it up. I didn't. Well, I forgot. And, and okay. I was with you. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I, I think was thinking you, it was a Western as well. Mm, and and yeah. then uh, Randy messaged. Well, y'all kept saying it. Way, and I was like, not a Western. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kept saying it. And I was, I was going right along too. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Why not? We need to watch the Magnificent Seven. Oh, no, we do. We'd, that'd be great. I love that movie. But yeah. the thing is like, um, what, what I, okay. So just to give a general, you keep talking about the last 45 minutes. I think that's genuinely some of the most intense stuff you're going to get out of the sixties. I think it's really great. Uh, I think the first two hours are painfully boring. And, and I don't think this is a everyone problem. I think it's a me problem combined with uh, what exposition was in the sixties or that era of filmmaking. And I I just found it to be laborious and really hard to take. And I would love a remake of this movie where they tighten that up. That would be It was so indulgently edited as well as filmed. Like you have to film something in the first place to have the edit, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, there were so many people like, like John Cassavetes taking a freaking boot to the face. And then a, a second later, he's in his cell and he looks totally fine in the face <laughs> no and not a scratch on him yeah. and you're like you're like wow i would have edited that differently so that uh, you weren't ever really seeing his face but of course he was a rising star and the guy would go on to get nominations for three different categories of awards like he was oscar nominated for acting and screenwriting and directing and so you're like okay i get why cassavetes is getting a great beauty shot here but the movie layers that on top of another thing and another thing that it shouldn't have done. And the next thing you know, you're just like, oh, God, I- I'm waiting for more comic relief. And the comic relief is horrible in this movie. Mm-hmm. It also- I wanted less comic relief. I-, I also didn't appreciate, at one point in time, this movie turned into almost a musical without the music, without the singing. Yeah, a little bit. It, was, uh, it had this weird, had this weird vibe of, of I don't know uh, 
sound and music or something. I was like, what's going on right now? They wanted to, they wanted to kind of go like, um, I don't know. It felt like they were uh, stripes would obviously come much later than this, but it it, it had a vibe of that. There's a little bit of mash in there. There's a little bit of, um, Oh, you know, just police Academy. I don't know. I can't explain that, that genre of everyone's a misfit until the big day comes. And then suddenly we're all the best at this. That's right. that's what this movie is. It's a more serious take on that on that take, and that's fine, and it's good, and I liked it. I really did like it in the end. Um, there are a lot of things I think just don't age well, like the way people would get shot in the '60s. We were at the pinnacle yeah. of how dumb that looked, <laughs> uh, especially the ones who uh, who dive forward through a glass window yeah, once you get shot. Like yeah. you're a sniper. Shooting. Makes absolutely zero sense. Exactly. If, you, if you take a bullet, you're going to go backwards. <laughs> you you're not going to go, go backwards. Yeah, yeah. always. Exactly. Even if even if it like takes your spine out, you just your natural inclination, your body is going to shove away from the shooting, not toward it. And then right. also, it's just that whole like when they go, and then fall. Like <laughs> like it's it, 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 we were at the Frank crest was- of a change for that stuff. It was about to change yeah. forever, and we were going to have much more realistic notions of what death and violence looked like in movies. And this was considered so violent at the time, but I just thought that was cartoony. I was, I, I liked how, I liked how Franco died. That was, that seemed to be the most, most mm. realistic, just slumping forward. Just Shot in the back. Yeah. But he's still, yeah. his head just drops down like immediately. Like, uh, right. Like he's one of those giraffes with uh, toys that you push the button on the bottom <laughs> and all the slack goes out of the elastic holding it up. Yeah. And as long as soon as he said, ah, oh, we've made it out or whatever he said, yeah. I went, yeah. well, you're dead. I don't know how long it's going to take, but you're done. <laughs> right. <laughs> you look too happy. Yeah. So there was, yeah. you know, what did so what do they leave with? Like a dirty four or a dirty five? No, like, a dirty, dirty, dirty three. two. That was a dirty yeah, two. Just Bronson and oh well, uh, Bron- yeah, right, right, right. Oh right, uh, they're the yeah. only two that made it. Wait, yeah. is that yeah. right, or did some of yeah. the faceless guys make it? Did, did no, some- because they no, they, like they specifically put the most highly paid people in the final scene in the hospital beds and standing there looking at them like. The, no one like Donald Sutherland didn't survive. I just knew he was going to survive this whole thing yeah. because because yeah, of the like whole the the comic relief of him being so dumb was used too much, mm. and so it led it led me to believe oh he's going to make it out of this. So like how how do you not do that trope? Like uh, for all the tropes of this film, to right. not do the trope where the dumb guy survives through lack of wit is weird. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, Telly Savalas was the. In- intentionally creepy character in this film but to me donald sutherland's character was creepier it just <laughs> yeah <laughs> his the facial way, expressions like yeah. as he's uh, eyeing yeah. up the uh he he uh, was unpredictable because he, he was unpredictable there were times where he would he'd sit there and look kind of almost mousy and, and submissive and then the next second right. he's the worst most sarcastic yeah. like you were hiding this the whole time you're a real a-hole guy and then yeah. later he's like a scared rat and then he's not again. Like he, I agree. He's a, he's a freak show. Never, this. Did they ever really say? Because they they went down everybody's list, and I was trying to remember. I'm like, what did what did he, what was he in there for? I couldn't remember. I was like, oh, I, yeah. They they okay. went across a lot of them, uh, but I was like, did they go across his backstory? And it was just unsettling. It was, it was weird. Yeah, but uh, so, Telly Savalas was. I mean, was meant to be the. And he mm-hmm. he he played this role that and I don't know what this trope is called, but it's basically like the. Uh, I can't think of the actor's name suddenly. Anyway, the 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 general dude in um, Apocalypse Now, played by famous actor, oh, yeah, yeah. oh um, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, thank you. This yeah. somebody who just cracks in the in the out there he, thing. Out, it's yeah. often a trope in the Vietnam movies more so than the World War II stuff. But he 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 maybe is 
well, I mean, I just saw this movie for the first time, but maybe in 67 was one of the most early, you know, versions of that. And maybe that was right. them in the, in the late 60s when Vietnam is raging, where they're like, let's sneak in some stuff that's, you know, kind of relevant today, which is, you know, <clears throat> mental health out in the field. And it's not all it's cracked up to be. And not everyone's just a heroic Captain America figure. These are broken men. And that's but, that's interesting for the 60s, you know, like I don't think that was so being done discarded. A lot. Oh, I agree. Like, I agree. It, it's not played enough. Like, it's not played right. It, and and like it's discarded in favor of George Kennedy having a trope laugh. Yeah. Seriously. Like we can, like, <laughs> the movie gives more time to George Kennedy mugging at the other guys because he, yeah. he ran into the camp to see the final outcome of the of the training. Like, <laughs> like the trope laugh, the trope laugh scene ruined the film in my yeah, opinion yeah. It, it completely destroyed the film oh, really it was it was really excessive i don't know about it ruining it but it just felt like okay we get it you guys won and and you get to do your mission and let's move on mm-hmm. yeah there's a bit of that i i i just really I, I i really confused a lot of things here you guys have seen kelly's heroes or at least heard of it yeah it's another it. war yeah. movie came out like four three or four years later or something like that 70 i think and it's Clint Eastwood, but it's all these guys again. It's it's yeah. um uh, Telly Savalas is in that one. Uh, Donald Sutherland's in that one, and so is freaking uh, Ernest Borgnine's in it. And it's another movie about a, a misfit band of military guys that uh, get used in World War II to sneak in and do a thing that nobody else wants to do. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this like <laughs> every? I don't know what this is like. Why why, why was that a well, thing? Why would you make? Yeah, I mean, didn't we is have. It, uh, uh, well, Inglorious Bastards was kind of the same, right? Thing, right. It? it is. It is. It's, sure. it's not only. It's not only. Uh, well, you know, it's it's something that it's the same actors story. is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's oh, the yeah, weird yeah, bit. Like it, it would be definitely. It would be weird if, like, really? imagine, imagine if um, you did Star Wars, okay, and then the ne- very yeah. two years later you did a movie called War Among the Stars, and in that movie <laughs> yeah. you had Harrison Ford as Burns Blolo, and you know, like, <laughs> sure, 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 yeah, you're. It's weird. I thought it was weird, but whatever. Kelly Swallows. It is, it is odd. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not that I don't want to see Kelly's Heroes. Everyone tells me it's now, the better film, what, but I don't know. What do you What do you guys think about uh, Suicide Squad? Um, oh, yeah, kind of the same thing, except in you know, uh, didn't they? Didn't am I remembering misremembering that they had devices implanted in there? Yeah, no, no, you remember that correctly. Yeah, and okay. and one of them, one of them uh, ends very quickly as soon as the uh, mission starts. Uh, there, it, there's a lot of parallels there. So it's intentional. Right. It's the trope. And, uh, That's the entire basis, yeah, right? The trope. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure there are many others we could think of. Anything where the misfits have to go do the job, or or yeah, where you recruit the bad guy to get the even badder guy, like the uh, right. the Hannibal Lecter kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course and it's they, a, it's they a horrible. Outsmart the, well, <laughs> they usually outsmart the the person hiring the bad guy. Yeah, right. In this and case, it's always a horrible idea to to put your. Uh, put one of the most important parts of the mission prior to the D-Day invasion to disrupt, mm. uh, you know, to disrupt the chain of command. Who do you send uh, men who have nothing to lose when, you know, in a volunteer army during that time, there were plenty of men who would be willing to sacrifice their life for such a and, mission. And remember not volunteer army, like the, right, almost right. all these guys were originally drafted against their will in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they're even depicted. Most of them are depicted as being kind of uneducated, mm-hmm. which, which takes it to this level that I couldn't follow. Like if they had been 
if they had been given better backstories, every one of them, you know, and like they're, you know, like there were bad people, but were interesting and not just like dumb. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it would have been a fantastic film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there were some corners cut and I, and, and the Lee Marvin's probably not wrong that this was in its day, kind of a, uh, like Inglorious Bastards, kind of a over the top, um, yeah. you know, you got to really stretch your brain and park your brain a little bit to, to accept what's happening here. Kind of, kind of film, but I enjoy that. Like I like it. And I, I just don't, I just not sure that what they thought was great for this sort of thing in 67 is as great as it would be today. And that's why I'm just going to say for the record, I think this movie deserves a remake and a proper one by a good oh, director sure. with a young yeah. cast. Even if you want, put them in the first Gulf war, but do whatever you got to do. It doesn't have to be world war two, or maybe it can, it doesn't matter to me where you want to do it, but change all that up if you want, but have a really strong feisty young cast go rated R let them have, you know, actual, uh, you know, language happening that you would have, let them have some, uh, some blood in the big fight. Like they really could make a cool movie mm-hmm. today, oh, yeah, yeah. and I would watch yeah, the but, hell but out of that. The, the question is, though, uh, did, did this movie resonate in 1967 with with a generation who had all experienced uh, war to a greater degree? Uh, yeah, I think I, so. I, I, I yeah, so I mean, w- would that still play? Would would we be interested in seeing a, a, a war type movie that really looks at the nuances of? of a training camp and, you know, basic training and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that stuff is, there's kind of a perennialness to it, right? I mean, you can kind of always do a war movie. It doesn't just have to be as we're still licking our wounds or feeling the sting of, of a recent war. I feel like right. that stuff, especially if it's historical can, can be timeless. I also think right, there's right. a tendency today for us to prefer historically accurate war movies and yeah. and i think we have less of a taste for ones that are fictional and so i think that's really your only hurdle like you can you can count on every year something big war war like although 2018 wasn't full of these but but you know like uh dunkirk was a huge war thing but again it was a reenactment not a reenactment but a film about a historically accurate moment in time and i think people have a right. better stomach for that right now than they do coming in and making something up because then it feels artificial and maybe not as reverent to the source. Um, you know, even Tarantino's movie had some connectivity to actual stuff, although all of it was blown, you know, up huge, but, right. but at least you could point to it and say, Oh, this is kind of based on the, um, these Nazi hunter guys. And, you know, they actually existed and their names weren't this and they didn't look like freaking Eli Roth, but Hey, they were there. And <laughs> so I, so I, I think it can be done. But it doesn't necessarily, this is an interesting point, don't I'm glad you brought it up. They don't have to do the remake with war. They could do it with anything. Like just, mm-hmm. re, I mean, if you think about it, the Fast and the Furious series, which has gone complete bonko now, by the way, that new trailer right. looks awesome for that Hobbs and Shaw thing. I can't wait for it. Um, well, and I'd even argue that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was is kind of this, right? Same it's a idea. ragtag bunch of criminals that join forces to, to do something they're not hired by someone to do it but but you really need a lee marvin type person over top of uh, you know riding on these guys yeah you know? I, I mean i think that's a big part of it yeah I, well yeah. well and but also remember lee marvin in in this world anyway is considered by all the superiors to be a total rebel and hard to deal with and always skirting the line so i mean he he wasn't hired for this because he was mr straight lace he was just more straight lace than the rest of them Mm-hmm. Right, but he was also kind of a rebel. I think that that would work in a lot of scenarios, like 
I don't know what they are, but the idea of hiring prisoners to do a thing we need, let's say it's a government thing and they're just regular prisoners. Mm. Um, let them go save the bank or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but save the bank. <laughs> we gotta save America's money. I don't save know what the it bank, is. Save the world. I don't know what it is. Like get the hostages out or go, you know, right. hire a bunch of ex hitmen to stop the worst right. hitmen. Be ever. our disposable, be our disposable heroes. Yeah, basically. something I like. There's something to be liked about that, and I think to play with, and I think it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. And this is just a good early example of it, but. You know, my dad, I think there's something about probably all of our dads, probably all, this was like a really cool thing for them when they were our, like our age. Like this movie yeah. would have been about when we were who we are now and it would have spoke to them in a way that, you know, the war was barely 20 years on mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, since World War II and Vietnam was raging at the time. Like that's not very much time. 20 years is nothing. Yeah, like it's yeah. further away from us to go to. We get all nostalgic about Back to the Future. Guess what? That's way further back than the war was for them at that time. So yeah, right. um, yeah. I, I I thought a lot about that <laughs> during this movie. Is like how oh, yeah. how close a lot of the war movies that were so popular, all the John Ford stuff and everybody else. It was all kind of fresh. Like we yeah. just really won that war. Like I I I thought a lot about it too because I I a lot of things I didn't understand references i was like oh would i would i get that more or would i be able to relate to the characters more if i had experienced uh you know that type of boot camp and military experience yeah i, I feel like i was missing a lot of things that mm. was probably authentic to a degree but really loose mm-hmm. you know well really problem loose. problem with us is we were raised in a very paranoid film time i think because the stuff we got when we were young and impressionable were full metal jacket and platoon right. and Movies that terrified me about the military. Like it wasn't the military didn't scare me from a, hey, go serve your country and do a good thing or, you know, go fight for your rights or that's all fine. What scared me was, oh, they're beating the shit out of each other and they got a bag full of soap and they're beating that poor guy in this bunk and <laughs> and oh, this other guy got raped with a stick or you know whatever it is. Yeah. Like yeah. to me, it was the depravity of the actual army experience that the movies were showing. I'm not saying it's realistic. Maybe it was, but. That really scared me as a young twenty-something. Oh, yeah. I just was like, Ugh, I don't want to. I don't want to well, go. I mean, it, go it, it, absolutely, it, it it does scare us. It's just like uh, when I watch movies with my kids, and we'll watch some movie from the eighties, and there'll be like this serious bullies in school. They're just literally beating up people like every single day. Yeah. And my and my my kids go, that's not really what happens. And I'm like. Eh, you're probably kind of right. It wasn't that bad. It felt that bad. Yeah. But it wasn't really in reality getting beat up every day and getting my lunch money taken, even though I could maybe romanticize the memory of being, uh, you know, uh, picked on and sure. bullied. But it was it was not, nothing to that degree. Right. I Can, think that's just and and we I don't know. That's what entertainment is. Right. Like it's this weird, right. overblown version of our fears, our hopes, our dreams our or failures or whatever mm-hmm. yes yes uh Can, mr D- uh, uh, i want to i want to take a step <laughs> back to the, uh, uh, yeah uh, i'm yeah number four sir. Um, <laughs> i want to four i want to take a step back to the uh to the main trope like the trope the trope of the film oh. is the ragtag bunch of misfits trope right yeah yeah so ragtag bunch of misfits this is where the that trope starts with this movie like you mm-hmm. just try to name one that really precedes it 
but then it becomes a thing like as as time goes by it gets to be more and more and more until it's like it feels like every film is the bad news bears or major league or i'm not saying they're all sports films but like rogue <laughs> one is a ragtag bunch of misfits film, oh right? totally it is yeah, yeah. if they even think yeah. about that yeah that's totally true and it and it's almost gotten to where you're like it's not a trope anymore mm-hmm. because it's so it's just like something that we fantasize about. We we just can't help but think, you know, I may be uh, you know, just like a normal person who has no business trying to save the galaxy, but I could be a guardian of the galaxy because That's I'd be thrown together with these other and so like it feels good. We we get a lot of in, enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh like it's just a fascinating trope. Like when you start to think about it, it feels like most adventure movies now that's how they're laid out they're they're not the right choice for the job they're just the the choice for the job right mm-hmm. yeah right. i was, uh, and, I was and, starting to think of previous ones and the closest i can come to would be the lineage of seven samurai which would turn into the magnificent seven which is right. uh that precedes this movie by seven years so in 1960 you had the magnificent seven and i think i don't know that might be your original i think it's easier one to 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 pull off without it feeling like you're playing with the trope because it's the western and the western has always been about anti-heroes and kind of losers you know picking up the gun and taking on the thing or whatever but uh there's a good example of it and that also had charles bronson in it who played bernardo o'reilly in that movie what a what a, what a dumb name bernardo o'reilly. Bernardo. Bernardo. Yeah. bernardo we're hey, sorry bernardo's out there listening he claims okay, so- the, he claims he left the theater because he thought it was too violent by the way i don't know if any of that's true but charles bronson who huh. went on to do the death wish movies mind you says that it was too violent for him and he had to walk out of his viewing. Oh, my God. I know. I know, I, dude. It I, annoys me. I want to ask, though, does anybody have a favorite ragtag group of misfits film other than Armageddon? Don't everybody say Armageddon? Oh, my gosh. Once. Armageddon's a good <laughs> oh, one. That's a perfect one, too. Because um, I do. I have a favorite of all time that I watch. I have probably seen a hundred times. Okay. It's hard for me not to do Guardians of the Galaxy. I love those two movies i mean yeah, that's right. they're great that fits the, it fits yeah it fits i'm trying to think yeah. uh do you remember when we watched the replacements the football movie yeah mm-hmm. wait is like, that the one is that what you're gonna pick no i'm just saying like that <laughs> right. that it just popped into my head that it was like the most ragtag thing and it's like that would never work we never did it, i don't like, think we the did the replacements movie. what's the replacements hold oh, on oh we didn't no oh, oh wow the two we yeah, have we two... watched the longest yard and right but, oh by the way young ragtag longest yard original longest yard is this director we should mention that the guy oh, they made God. well when and, it replacements... is, and it is a ragtag group of prisoners yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when replacements gets back on netflix we're watching it i don't care what you think about comedies uh <laughs> anyway, mine mine for all time is this Kelsey Grammer film called Down Periscope. Oh, and I it's love like, Down Periscope. It's, yeah, and it's like they took Dirty Dozen, and I didn't realize it until this watching of Dirty Dozen. It's like they took Dirty Dozen and were like, we're going to list out the top 40 tropes in this movie, mm-hmm. and we're going to make sure we hit every one of them or subvert them every single time. Yeah, And like I kept thinking about Down Periscope while watching this, like, Man, it's just a direct that correlation. Movie. That movie's right. got no. um am I I might be confusing it with uh the Steve Martin one that's also about the uh, Right. Uh which one And that, that one the Steve Martin one was a um a remake of a TV show, wasn't it? Yeah, and the um, TV show was Ernest Borgnine in the main role. Right. <laughs> just to right. bring us around. What was that called? I keep thinking Hogan's Heroes, but it's not Hogan's Heroes. No. It's uh uh shit. It's like that though, it's his name. Yes. 
Right. Right. Yes. And it, and then and then I want to say it was one of the last performances we got out of uh, Phil Sergeant Hartman. Bilko. Sergeant Bilko. Bilko. Yes. <laughs> That's right. it. Yeah. That's a great. By the way, the old Sergeant Bilko is a lot of fun to watch. Old black and white thing. But that movie's also great. So yes, Down Periscope and Sergeant Bilko. They don't have any right to be as fun and great as they are. Those are two fine 1990s era good time yep. movie watching. I'm, uh, I'm going to go, even though it's not a movie and there's probably plenty better to pick, but after watching The Dirty Dozen, I have been wanting to go back and watch uh, Black Sheep Squadron. I've watched mm. all of those all the way through, and it's, it's, it's a ragtag team mm. of, uh, of pilots and uh, as a TV show, I felt like it was, uh, it was very progressive. I'm going to say one of the ones we previously watched, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh, oh good mm. one. Mm-hmm. I like that ragtag group of idiots. That's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. I just like yeah, the phrase a, ragtag. You yeah. know, it's ragtag. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a I don't whole know dis- the uh, origination of the phrase, but just <laughs> ragtag. Yeah. There's a whole discussion out there about how Star Wars is just ragtag bunch of misfits in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I... I tend to agree but there's not enough of them really the miss the only real misfits are luke and han mm. and the re- the rest are all competent and like doing what they're supposed to they be doing right? Job. Like, right like che- chewbacca leia like they're you know like they're real actual heroes right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and then of course you know your other actual hero in uh ben kenobi you know goes and gets himself killed in the middle of the first film mm-hmm. spoiler alert but um <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like i never really i never really bought that it was just that trope until rogue one and then i was like oh wow okay i get it now it really is Ro- like rogue one is i think my favorite star wars movie mm. and it, it it doesn't exist without this trope I like that movie a lot too. I don't know what it is. Are there are people I know. Well, Justin Robert Young, for example, freaking with a fiery passion, hates that movie. Mm, hates I would, it, yeah. I would love like a ten minute podcast of just you and him head to head on that because I'm on I, your I, side on this. I totally agree. I think that movie. It's probably great. my fifth, fourth, or fifth favorite. It's fun. I don't know. It's so, probably not my it favorite. It's yeah. not my favorite, but it's it's up there with you know mm-hmm. the news as far as the new stuff goes. It might be my favorite of the new stuff, actually. I really uh, like Solo it. is my Solo is my favorite of the new stuff. Oh, you're a weirdo. Actually, yeah. Solo's all right. I said it. Solo's all right. Like <laughs> but yeah, and I don't like to debate films with people like for someone who with someone who just it didn't land. Like that's just it's just not fair because it's so easy to just tear down a film and find every little thing that you're supposed to dislike about it and it's like i and also i don't want to try to convince somebody to like something if it didn't land for them right, right. like no, I get just it. that's that's how it goes sure. but uh, uh turning it around when i like strongly you guys will have to remind me of a film i've strongly disliked i uh i sometimes kind of wish with a film that i strongly disliked that someone could just come along and thump me on the head and make me like it because well, like time bandits. you know like <laughs> what time bandits i want to thump you in the head and go you like time bandits you just don't know it that movie well and maybe yeah maybe i and maybe i should like find the because like rogue one is the perfect example for me it's about watching all these other movies and then this one and it fits into them and it's and it's beautiful like the way it fits and at the end of it i'm crying Mm. because because i've seen the other ones and so, like, maybe Time Bandits, maybe there's this, like, combination of things. Like, if you watch these episodes of Monty Python and then you watch this uh, movie and, and then Time Bandits, you're going to be, like, in the right frame of mind for it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Man, it's weird, by the way. While we've been talking, I've been going through all these old movies to see what we've seen or haven't seen that might fit this trope. 
Yeah. And uh, it's crazy, guys. This October, we will have been doing this show for 10 freaking years. Like, we got to celebrate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. October uh, 29th, 2009 was our first episode. uh, The one about Kroll. And um, that's just crazy. We just have to, I don't know what we're going to do. We got to do something cool. We got to do something. Yeah. I guess we have to all go to. uh, South Carolina, because that's right. We're- someone won't travel to us. <laughs> you, you say that, but don't forget, mm. I'm on the other side of the country. That's well, a long way yeah. to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's a long way to yeah, go, be, but we'll we'll figure going something. To, out. Going to Florida and like uh, right. August, maybe we all go. Oh, totally. I would totally meet you in Florida. When you, yeah, when it's, you it's, going? It's in, like what time? When? If, when? If you guys were, if you it's guys were podcast, like. Uh, podcast what pm whatever it is movement podcast. oh the movement right. when's the but what's yeah. the dates do you know the dates august 16th i want to say I have a somewhere right reunion. right in the middle of the right in the middle of the month i have a family reunion i'm trying to avoid maybe this will oh perfect <laughs> oh i can't i have to go to the you know the big podcast con oh uh, yeah sorry guys to. huge work thing see you later <laughs> it's uh, uh it's august anyway. it starts august 13th in orlando it's orlando oh no, interesting yeah. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that. Um. Anyway, yeah. so don't my family, if you're listening, I'm not saying it's just fine. We're just <laughs> right. just talking here. We're not, you know, I'm not yeah. saying anything for sure. Um. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. I love this one. At a cocktail function in London, Lee Marvin, our our star here, <laughs> got drunk and propositioned an old lady in a very vulgar manner. They don't get into what van- manner here. So, but anyway, it says so slurred was his speech. That she asked him to repeat it, and he obliged. The woman turned out to be Sean Connery's aunt. Nice. Uh, Connery was on his way to Marvin's general direction after hearing what happened when producer Kenneth Hyman intervened. Now, I just wanted to point out that a Hyman got in the way. I just want to point that out. Let's go. If you were going to go there. Then he said, he says to Sean Connery, he says, don't hit him in the face, Sean. He begged. He's got to, uh, he's got his close-ups tomorrow. Fortunately, Connery saw the funny side and roared with laughter and says, you effing producers. And then he left. <laughs> so he now if that story. Yeah, yes. And if that's a funny, if that's a true story, then I'm uh, I'm glad we live on Earth and, and that we've as long, we're talking, as long as we're talking about any appropriate uh, meetups, we, we should probably talk about the one in this movie where <laughs> they bring in where yeah. they bring in. Mm. Look, it, look, either you have. Twelve the ladies, half dozen. <laughs> right. Either you, either you have twelve ladies to bring to the to the to the barracks, or you have none. Yeah. You don't show up. You don't just show up with eight. Show, yeah. Show up eight. Somebody's gonna have to do double duty, and I'm not. Right. And no one's interested in that. Yeah, maybe, that was uh, odd. some of the maybe some of the men were pairing up with each other. Did you ever think of that? No, no, I no, hadn't. and I tried not to. But thanks, okay. but you only really need eleven because Telly Savalas doesn't get one. I picture right, George. Right. Yeah. I can picture George Kennedy. I'll just hang out up here in the, in the crow's nest. <laughs> I, I pictured uh, George Kennedy and the singer on the guitar making out in the corner. I can picture that. Uh, but here's the thing. Here, here's what I would say about that entire scene. That is so ni- a 1960s thing to do because they really all that's implied. Well, I mean, there's lots of, that's implied, but all that they really convey is like, oh, look, they're there and they're going to dance. And it's like they have some companionship for the day. Oh, this is so nice. What a nice thing this is. But everybody in their brain knows what's going on. They're all in there doing it. And, and there's only eight of them yeah. and it's wrong. So what are you doing? And there's there? only and there's only one barracks. And is Wow. That's the dirty dozen. Yeah, that's the dirty dozen. Yeah. You know what's dirty is the dozen. These guys stink, and they yeah. the dozen bits of dirty underwear laying around on the floor. That's their dirty dozen. Yuck. So yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. But uh, 
There's that. But yeah, it was such a weird because I kept trying to think in my intro uh, of me being uh, the guy who has to go to town and convince eight ladies to come back to my <laughs> barracks out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. to meet up right. with some guys. Well, you also that named guy. you also named my <laughs> grossest moment of the film. Oh, I, sure. That's right, that's right. all that really grossed me out. Everything else was pretty tame, but just the thought of what that meant and was and that mm-hmm. the one you know one of them's like 70 and the other yeah, one's like yeah. i don't know high school age. i don't like, know was she, are... was she was she 70 because the dudes all looked old maybe she was you know in her 30s <laughs> she's probably 31 <laughs> the agnes moorhead looking one yeah that right. one the agnes moorhead looking one <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a great way of saying that that's exactly right <laughs> uh we got a montage haven't had one of those in a while that was nice yeah they could have montaged a lot more of this movie yeah i agree there was a lot of that stuff just all the training just went on too long i was like all right i get it the training the training didn't bother me as much as the uh is the war exercise that that was an exercise for me in the airport and and there was a subplot that meant nothing and went nowhere where uh Reisman had a beef with Breed and we didn't get to see why and we and we didn't get to see it play out in a way that would make any sense in the military well, instead did, yeah. what what they did it played out in Breed doesn't know what's going on so he decides to get to the bottom of it by being all asshole mm. and and like and then Reisman <laughs> comes along and threatens another officer with with a gun and shoots at him and stuff and it's just like this is I'm sorry this is just not even close like I just felt like we were watching this other movie for that entire subplot. Exactly. I kept waiting for them to have like a big standee poster with like peel off skin, uh, peel off clothes. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching Major League there for a moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They didn't ever, they yeah. never, that's chicken in the bucket, by the way, I think, is that whatever their previous run ins that made him so concerned yeah. about having to work with them, they never explain it. It's just, I'll tell you what the chicken, oh, right. I'll tell you the chicken bucket is. I'll tell you what the chicken in the bucket is, is the, is the trip from the house to the beach because you can't just gloss over that part because that that stupid uh, <laughs> a stupid motor vehicle they were using was going five miles an hour it's not terribly stealthy sounding it is not stealthy and there's like a hundred germans all around them yeah. you can't just gloss over that part. plus those army those one army more, guys one more chick in the bucket too oh, yeah. if that wasn't enough yeah go ahead. the uh what happened to the dude uh whose foot got stuck in the uh roof blown up yeah I assume I, we're supposed to assume he got blown up. I think, aren't we? Because well, he, I mean, he certainly died yeah, when the whole place went up. But did he get off of there, or does he just like yeah, uh, throw my grenades and then duck and? Yeah, he he was he was actually wasn't he? Oh, I can't remember. I thought he did get off later. No, I my, under, my here's what I would say. I he threw like four grenades in there and then just got he sacrificed himself because those explosions on the roof would have killed him. Like I bef- thought, I saw him walk by and look at Sutherland. Uh. <laughs> Well, you, you're just, just thinking that because everyone did that. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was just mad at the movie because it happens in a quiet scene. He's sneaking across a roof. Oh my gosh! And he so falls through, and it's the loudest freaking thing in the movie. It scared me. Like <laughs> him slipping into that roof sounded like a cannon going off. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. And it made me jump. I was resentful. It made me mad. I was like, "Damn it! I'm not. I'm watching your old ass movie. You're not supposed to scare me like this." Right. It really did make me jump right, like right out of my it chair. Did me too. It did too. I, so I freaked out. I knew it was coming too because I'm like, yeah. you don't step on, you don't step on the flat part. You step on no, the beams. The beams, right. exactly. Right. But it looks. Listen, if if uh, German lady screaming her head off 
isn't mm. enough to make those guys get out of their chairs and say, "Oh, maybe yeah, something's man. going on." Hey, but, but that was the that was the trope of the indecent woman having yeah. sex, mm. like ladies screaming. To... It's funny, mm. and we all had and again a trope laugh. Did do you remember? They're yeah, all hot with their mouths wide open, yeah. laughing because they, they heard a woman <laughs> screaming, showing us their big German maws. That was great, right? Just big, ugly, freaking teeth. Old guys who were probably really only thirty. Ah, oh. oh, must be nerves. Get me another Jägermeister. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also the sixties. That's uh, that's the uh, the time where you use the same explosion stock sounds over and over and over again. You need a gun; it will sound the same every time it's fired. <laughs> yeah, right. Just and how I, it was. Yeah, there was a couple of things. Once again, like I said, maybe maybe it was ignorance to what military things go on but when they were when they were acquiring when franco acquired the slowest moving vehicle in the movie uh, it was attached to a big giant gun mm-hmm. and i'm like take that with you get on yeah, it gear it up <laughs> they they would have they would have abandoned it for one of the 50 jeeps within a quarter of a mile like right. it's so stupid that they they drove that even a foot like as franco, soon as franco would still be alive though if they would have kept the gun mm-hmm Right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, you should uh, take the gun. That's what they should have done. Uh, uh, well, that's that's your movie. That's your film. Let's do some uh, sound, uh, clips. Clips. Some sounds. Let's do some sounds. Yeah, Let's do I got some sounds. I got some sounds from the. I'm gonna make some noise. Put your hands together. And make some noise for uh, <laughs> this thing, which is what? Oh, they're talking about why the war wasn't started. This is this is some good Borgnine right up in your face. This war was not started for your private gratification. And you can be damn sure that this army isn't being run for your personal convenience either. Well, all right. No personal private, no private gratification and no personal convenience. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, here's a I, be reverent or I, shut up. Did, either oh, sorry. Ru- go ahead. What? What'd you say? I just wanted to say, did anybody, did anybody look at that scene and wonder if it, it like, it felt really anachronistic. Like, I don't know. There, the whole movie is a bunch of Americans in England, <laughs> and I never really feel like it knows where it is. Yeah, right, like right. The, they're this yeah. glorious ballroom in a castle somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they're just sitting there barking at each other. I'm just like, really? England just gave us these castles to use, and well, like, yeah. Trivia, I don't know. trivia just, says the uh, the exterior was built by them, obviously because they blew it up. But the uh, the interior, yeah, we don't know where the hell's at. And that was in the UK. They were in the UK someplace, right? Sorry. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's just the, like, I thought the, the, uh, the chalet was in France. Oh, it was supposed to be, right. but I think yes. the whole, like, I think the film, yes. I think right. the movie was but filmed. But everything in, else, in well, I, I think they were, they were doing all their training, building their compound. The, the prisoners were in the UK, traveled to France. The chalet was in France that they were attacking. Yeah, yeah, no, in the story, yes. I'm just meant the, oh, everything is the filmed film in physical location. location. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, these guys barking at each other in this beautiful room. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, I get I get that it was nice to film and nice to see, but it just it kept taking me out of the movie. Mm. Uh, it happened again later when they are showing up to this Air Force base, and it's only Americans. I'm sorry. We're in England. <laughs> it wouldn't be only Americans. Yeah. And they're literally playing American march music. And I'm just like, no, we, I don't, I just don't think this would be happening. It doesn't feel right to me. It's a good trope though. Cause there's always a band in a military thing where there's a little comedy relief where they're like cranking up the band. And then everyone's like, yeah. no, nah, he's not here yet. And, he, and it, it fizzles out. Like that's totally. I was trying to, yeah. I was trying to think of a, a, a film 
that uh, there was a military-based film, war film, that did not have the de facto military music. You know, got the snare drums oh, yeah. and the trumpets and stuff. Is there anything that w- really went outside of that? I mean, like, like remember the Knight's Tale, which is not a military movie, but it was a a period movie that used you know modern music. Uh, well, a lot in, of the, a, anything Vietnam era was always like CCR and like sixties era, right, right. But they still always had that march music as the scoring, mm-hmm. like every every Vietnam. I can't think of a Vietnam movie that stuck with only. You know, Steve right. Miller. There's always that in, in a, you know, middle parts where it's the drums and the, it's always in there. Just mm. curious. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's probably something like, uh, I can't think of anything, but like nobody's using <laughs> Vangelis. I don't think. <laughs> sure. As far as I know, uh, except that thin blue anyway, line. You're, you're absolutely, I want to, I want to underline Brian Dunaway. Someone needs to make a world war two film, uh, set it in the Pacific theater and fill it with modern music. I want to hear freaking imagine dragons over Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. That'd be all right. Just so, just so we well, instead of, but it's, you got to remember in Armageddon, they did. They played um, Aerosmith. Aerosmith, yeah. Well, they were yeah, putting yeah. the. Well, shoves, they had to. It they were shoving the, the cracker in her belly button that part. Right. Uh, <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> Get in there, damn it. <laughs> um, all right. Here's some, uh, some good advice. Either ask relevant questions or shut up. Okay. That's cool. I always look. I always like how Ernest Borgnine's teeth look like he just inserted each one of them right before they out- yelled action. Yeah, and and there's a minimum like oh, we need a centimeter between each tooth, please. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I only have eleven teeth up here. Yeah. How am I gonna just spread them out? Odd mouth, just an odd big yeah. wide. And he, and he's not afraid. And he, and, he's, and he doesn't seem to be uh, conscious about oh, it. No, he's, no, he has no it. trouble smiling, laughing. Exactly. And that guy it, was it great, dude. Nothing, nothing wrong with that guy. He's no. great. He should. He died, and that sucks. That's the only thing that sucks about him. Um, Come on. Here's a what? What happened? You're Somebody's right? calling me yeah. on my echo. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad. You know, I could mute my phone all I want, but then it's like, yeah. I don't have that hooked up because I don't want to get people yeah. through that damn yeah. thing. Hey, only Siri. one person ever does that. Yeah. Hey Siri. Randy. <laughs> call Brian Ibbett's yeah. echo. Call his echo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found this on the web. All right. Here's um she does exactly what yeah. she, she I found this on, that's exactly what just happened. Of course. Here's uh B let's see, what's this? Oh, something about something stinking. I don't like it. I think it stinks. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, sorry, that was Lee Marvin. Um enough of your insolence. I've had about enough of your insolence. Okay, great. He doesn't like officers. They don't like officers. Okay, cool. And then Jim Brown growls. Ah! Oh, we haven't talked about him yet. Oh, we haven't even talked about Jim Brown, yeah. Yeah, and he was still playing for the NFL and was in yeah, between was seasons. Between seasons. Yeah. Cleveland Browns, I think. Yeah. Brown oh, and Brown. I would have thought this was right after he retired. Nope. In fact, there was a big controversy about him almost missing the uh, preseason required whatever you have to do in the NFL, and, and he barely made it or yeah, something. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Well, he must have been much beloved uh, during this time in the movie because it, it, almost in, you, we were losing people left and right, mm-hmm. right? Characters are dying, and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, poor Sutherland. People just gave him like a glance out of the corner of the eye and was kind of like, okay, I accept the fact that he's dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they kept oh, on no, going. I'm, but I'm correct. This is a couple years after he retired. Oh. Uh, my As a kid, I read all those books. There were these skinny books in the library about all these different famous sports people. Yeah. And I probably read the Jim Brown book a hundred times. Like, 
I just Jim I Brown's just awesome. The story of Jim Brown being the greatest football player of all time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at at the time when I was a kid, the big controversy was: Is Walter Payton now the greatest sure. football player of all time? Sure. Anyway, um, Jim Brown uh, retired after the '64 season. He, but you're you're thinking of a different thing. He had started acting in a movie called Rio Conchos oh, uh, okay. right before his last season. That's probably what I've done. Yeah, I, I read that somewhere, and I can't remember. I, I thought it was this movie, but he he's uh, you know. To be, uh, to become very quickly, start to become this star. He's still alive, by the way, eighty something. Uh, he uh, and to do that during the thick of the civil rights era is kind of awesome. Like mm-hmm. it, this was unusual, and it's and it's great. That dude blazed well, a trail. And there's and the and the great thing about Jim Brown is that he was always willing to sit for an interview. So there's tons and tons of him talking about like a- answering the question over and over and over why. Why did you make all of the these black exploitation films? Mm-hmm. And like him, he he's got some really good reasons, and like the really thoughtful guy for for a football player who took a lot of shots to the head. Uh, yeah, Brown is he's, he's like one of these great representations of the black experience before, during, and after civil rights. Yeah, yeah, and also it's a uh, thing to point out: him and Sutherland are the only two f- of the twelve and leadership who are alive. Like everyone's dead. Oh really? In this movie, Andrew's yeah, still alive. Wow, yeah, those two are still kicking it. A lot of them died kind of young. Uh, Lee Marvin died at like sixty-one, pretty pretty young, sixty-three, I guess. Sorry, and then uh, uh, what's his name? Charles Bronson died in like eighty-nine or something. Wow. Um, all those guys are, I guess. The and the one Randy brought up earlier died this last year or this year or something. Last year, I guess. This is, by the way, according to Film Sack Stats, this is our third Jim Brown film, mm-hmm. and I can only think of one other, so I'd like to know what the third one is. This one and Take a Hard Ride Wasn't are he what comes in to mind for me. Running Man? Oh, right, of course. He's he? Fireball. Oh, right. Yep, he was in Running Man. Good job, Brian. Look at that. Thanks. Look at the recall Thanks. on you. It's total recall. <laughs> total recall, except it was Running Man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good combo there. All right. Uh, why? Uh, what's this? Uh, he? Oh uh, no. Okay. Jim Brown. Already did this. <laughs> yeah, I did that. He growls. Okay. Here's Telly Savalas. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Paul to the Romans, chapter twelve. <laughs> dude's creepy, dude. He is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a different like. He when he got when he got to the Telly Savalas era where yeah, he was Kojak, Kojak stuff, he just yeah. kind of became one character forever, and that was all you ever saw. Right. But this is like right. nuanced and different. I don't know because we'd see him on Love Boat all the time, or Hollywood Squares, or those roasts, or something. I remember just seeing him like, oh, you know, no, nice guy, lollipop in his mouth, hey, who loves you, baby, and all mm-hmm. that, and seeing him in this, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, dang, other direction. Well, I nice guy with a lollipop in his mouth. I got an email. <laughs> High e- praise. Yeah, high praise. I got an email from your mom yesterday. A bit. <laughs> okay. She said, she says, uh, hey, I don't know if I've sent you this one before, but this is Brian. Uh, this is what his date said when he tried to kiss her on prom night at the door. And this is what your date said here. I've got audio. Here we go. When I think that you've earned that privilege, I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> she had a really, she smoked a lot, by the yeah, way. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that was? Okay. I didn't yeah. want to judge or, you know, assume anything. But yeah, yeah. Nope. Smoker voice. Okay. Uh, s- get some sleep. Get some sleep. You're gonna need it. Oh, I kind of oh, like that guy. Oh, I forgot the guy at the end. Listen to the guy at the end. Get some sleep. You're gonna need it. Up yours. <laughs> Up yours. <laughs> yes. Whoever played that corporal guy or that sergeant guy, I like I liked him in this. I don't know his name. 
who was that guy? The 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 other military. Yeah, the other one who survived basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, he lived. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Richard Jekyll as Sergeant yep. Bowman. Yeah, Bowman. Bowman. Jekyll. Jackal. Jackal. Is he around? Yeah. Is he dead? Oh, he dead. He oh, died yeah. in nineteen ninety seven. Okay. okay. At, at the oh, age of seventy. Oh, yep. Twenty one, almost twenty two years ago. Jeez. Longer. He has been dead longer than when he made this movie that the war had ended. Think of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. All right. Yeah. Um, here's a redundant thing to say. Cassavetes is so intense. And here's one of his redundant things. You, you slob, you slob. You, you slob, you slob. <laughs> you slob, you slob. Yeah. And don't forget, here is it's just a point I want to make. His son, Nick Cassavetes, who was also a bit of an auteur, because this guy was like directing and acting and all uh-huh. kinds of stuff. And his son, Nick, also did a lot of that. And is famous for me anyway of being in Face Off. He's like the bald friend of Caster Troy. And uh, my memory is of him getting shot in the neck and blood going ramp, ramp, squirting out of his neck. So if you ever, if you guys see, uh, go watch uh, Face Off again and watch his son, Nick Cassavetes, rocking out. Uh, all right, here's, uh, <laughs> I don't remember what this is. Food, Cincinnati. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> word association. Yeah, can't remember what that was. Again, like movie could have done something, and instead it plays comic relief. And yes, that was comic relief, as much as it doesn't seem funny. And and it's like, why does this? I, I was actually saying out loud, "Hey, movie, I don't need a joke every twelve minutes exactly. Like you can you can just stop with the jokes, right? They don't have to keep going." Here's uh, Cassavetes being angry and acting. All right, Franco, what is it this time? How am I supposed to see you in cold water? The God's got hot water. You got hot water. You want to feel right? Jeez. Wow. They, they talked about hot water for like about 10 minutes. It was great. They said hot water like 50 times. And I do like uh, Sutherland sticking his head out with a mouthful of uh, tooth, toothpaste. Absolutely. <laughs> During that scene. Yeah. He's, he was a, such a lanky, weird looking dude when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, say the name. Oh, this is the name of the movie. So now, if you, you dirty dozen have mm. no objection. Yeah, you got to f- get that in oh, there. Oh, he you, just you. thought of that. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know. Let's say dirty dozen. dozen. Double D. Okay, I see where you're going with this. I do uh, love it when they say the name of the movie, though. Yeah. I do, too. I always try to capture it. Here's another one. Now talk, you bastard. Who the hell are you? You gonna tell us or not? You gonna tell us now? I may have edited that a little bit. I just thought that guy's VO, because it wasn't really the guy talking that was beating mm-hmm. him up. It was some ADR later, and he is right. ridiculous. Now talk, you bastard. Who the hell are you? You gonna tell us or not? You gonna tell us now? And he's just ridiculous. <laughs> so badly, yeah. Yeah. Dubbed. The other guy, I think, wasn't, so it just mishmashed even worse. It was terrible. That was the that was the bathroom scene where they beat up Charles Bronson. Yeah, correct. Yeah, where Charles Bronson refused to say anything other than nine or whatever. Nine. That was this thing. Nine. Schnell. All right. Here's uh, something turkey shoot thing. Ready for the turkey shoot? Oh, that's what that is. Okay. And then uh, this never got old. I wrote. <laughs> no, it got old. It got old. It got old. I was so glad when uh, dude shot that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, I, I I was worried they weren't going to. And mm-hmm, it's a right. movie thing to do. I've seen movies where it's effective. It's like you've set mm-hmm. some awful sound off and the fact that it's playing and you're having dis, and you're having a, a scene, a thoughtful scene or something, there's a discordant quality to it and I get why it's there and I understand. But this one, 
just got right up inside my Noxious. endocrine system. It was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> All right, that's your clips. Uh, and now there's this. Where is it? This. Uh, the film side checklist goes like this. The apex of overly dramatic gun deaths. Check. The K in Kojak stands for crazy. Check. <laughs> and creepy. And creepy. <laughs> and the dirty two. Check. Hey, uh, it's the Trek Connection time. Robert Phillips, who played Colonel Morgan, the MP guard, in TOS, played an officer seen with Pike on the uh, origin. Uh, see, and uh, Pike and the or- Orion dancer in the cage. Sorry, the original uh, pilot. Uh, Lauren Janes did stunts, was on TOS, did stunts for Shatner, was a stunt double for Charlie X and some other stuff. And Dick Miller, uh, he was the MP at, uh, at the hanging. Oh yeah. Remember the hanging at the beginning? I almost forgot that even happened. Oh yeah. Ooh. That was rough. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. When he fell and it was just like the shot of his feet. Oh, the feet. Yeah. Looking up. That was rough. It was That's the most yeah. violent thing in the movie as far as I was concerned. Everything yeah, else seemed silly too. compared to that. But anyway, on TNG, he played the holographic news vendor in the episode The Big Goodbye, and on DS9, played, uh, DS9 played Vin in the third season two-parter, Past Tense. He passed away January 30th at the age of 90. So two days ago. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's <clears throat> that's wow. something. Yeah, Ooh, right up wow, to the wow, minute. Wow. Yep. There you go. Dick Miller. Oh, Dick Miller. We know Dick Miller. Duh. Go look up Dick Miller. You've seen him a billion times and everything yes. always. Really? Yes. Yeah. 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 He's, Dick yeah. Miller. He's a character actor you've seen in a thousand movies. It was like Gremlins. Yeah. He was somebody. Oh, yes. Right. He was the the handyman friend of the uh, of the kid in Gremlins. Yes. Yes. That's the guy. Right. He's great. He's in a he billion in things. Terminator, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. He got around. I'm surprised we haven't seen him more on Film Sack because... He was in Gremlins and The Burbs and so on. Yeah. Did we ever do The Burbs? Or did we never get nope, around to not that? Yet. Not yet. Oh, really? I could have sworn we did The Burbs. Yeah. We keep talking about it. It's one of Dunaway's favorite movies of all time, right? Yes. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, he's in, uh, I'm just looking here. He worked. He's in Inner Space, Project X. He worked a lot in the 2000s. He's been doing great. 90. Small Soldiers. Was on ER for a while. Uh, let's see here. A whole bunch of movies. You've seen him so many times ridiculous oh he was in that uh he was in that walter um pilot for the radar o'reilly a spinoff that never went anywhere oh oh, 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 yeah i forgot about that so was was lee ermy the hangman in this movie was that my imagination i think it's your imagination yeah Yeah. i don't think because i i looked and i was like it it just flashed to him for a second i'm like oh yeah i don't think that's him maybe i just wanted maybe i wanted to see him in there you wanted it to be ermy Right. Yeah. Man, he, he would he would have been very young there because he was he was uh, born in forty four. So. Sure. Uh, soundtrack grade. I'm going to give it a whatever. I didn't even notice it. Did you guys notice it? There's a lot. Really? Because I yes, I noticed it. I thought it was overly bombastic when it needed to be you know upbeat, mm. and I felt like it was like this weird sort of like tension mm. where I I wasn't really feeling it. Like it was. It wasn't a bad score, but it just didn't feel like it was scored for this film at all times. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Not the best or worst thing I've ever heard. Well, that brings us uh, current to the Twitter post. This is where you guys sum it up in 280 characters or less. Let's begin, as is the tradition, with Randy Jordan. The Dirty Dozen. Just like a Saturday night at Emmett's house. <laughs> <laughs> 
why put words in the middle? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Don't change a thing. Uh, Brian Q. Dunaway. Thank you. The Dirty Dozen. Like poor dumbstruck Donald Sutherland laying face down on the mean cobble streets outside of a German B&B. Look on his face is the look on my face when I watch this movie. <laughs> B&B. I love it. Uh, finally, Brian Ibbett. The Dirty Dozen, the best Western we've never seen. Oh, <laughs> best Western. I like that. Yeah, best Western. Chain. That's a great place to stay, too, right? It is. <laughs> it is, yes. Did you, you got to build it yourself first. It doesn't have windows. I don't know that I've ever heard your middle name, Brian. Can I guess what it is? Ibbett. Oh, my. Yeah, because I, oh, sure. I, 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 I just faked it. I just faked it for them. You, but. I faked it for them, but I just want to see if I can guess yours. Okay, I'm going to guess. Ready? Yeah. Christopher. No. Uh, no. Brian... Uh, Shamwa. I don't know what it is. What is it? Oh my gosh! So close with Shamwa. Shamwa. What is it? Then the world uh, will know. It's long for Dick. It's Richard. Oh, Richard. Nah. It's long for Dick. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. Uh, well, I never knew that. That always freaks me out when I hear people's middle names because I just go Brian Richard of it. Yeah, because then my initials are B R I and oh yeah, my dad did that whole thing to make it all fold in on itself. Oh. Well, nice. very wow. nice. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Uh, Thanks. Let's play. Oh, wait. I have this. Uh, alternate title just handed to me. This was almost called Carton of Poo Covered Eggs, which is just another way of saying Dirty Dozen. <laughs> right? It's another Dirty Dozen there. Or Lee Marvin, the 89-year-old of... <laughs> sorry. Lee Marvin, the 89-year-old, 43-year-old. There you go. <laughs> Uh, hey, emails come into the show on a regular basis, and we got one this week from Thorgan, who I think we see a lot in the oh, chats yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. A regular member of our community says this after listening to the Crystal Skull Sack. <laughs> Skull Sack. Skull Sack. That doesn't sound right. I had a stream of consciousness, uh, not unlike the one Brian Dunaway does in his intros. Maybe he should read this. Well, you don't have it, so I'll read it. He says, Scott, Homer Simpson does not become smart because he snuck, stuck a crayon in his brain. Quite the opposite. He put a crayon oh. up there as a child, and when it was removed, he became smart. Later, right. Moe inserted another crayon in beca- uh, to become stupid again when Homer couldn't, uh, would no longer uh, accepted most of his family and friend- friends. Get it right, he says. Okay, wow. yeah, I got it I mean, wrong. I true, I forgot about that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But I, mean, I remembered I, it. I remembered it the way you described it. But yeah, now that he says it's like, going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. like that. I thought it was because of the thing and got smart, but I was wrong. Jeez, and, Thorgan. Jeez, Steve, be nicer about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, dear uh, listener, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> he went on to say this. He says, also, the film sack of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull was better than the movie. And he means it. Nice. Uh, Good. Also, the title of Indy 4 should have been Indiana Jones and the Refrigerator of Destiny. Set in 2522, uh, it's the story of Henry Jones, the 22nd, and the uh, legend of the refrigerator that helped people survive catastrophic events. Henry Jones, too, survives a nuclear blast. John Connor survives Judgment Day. And the film sack crew survives watching Crystal Skull. This thing writes itself. George, Stephen, where's my check? Keep sacking. That was very done away at the end there. Nice yeah, job. It was good. Yeah. Do you, do you approve, Dunaway? Do you I, like- I approve. Absolutely, I approve. Okay. More, please. All right. And uh, yeah, we uh, I apologize for the crayon up the brain thing. He seems very serious about that part. <laughs> oh well, then I'll I'll offer a quick retraction to uh, the uh, Japanese Crystal Skull ride. Apparently, was around a lot longer than the like uh, was around a lot earlier than the movie. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. 
Yeah. Wait, how did they know about the crystal skull? If it, they just had a crystal skull in the ride, and I don't know if it inspired. I don't think it inspired the movie. I just think it was like, yeah, crystal skull. That's a cool thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll, just, we'll put this in the ride, and hey, we'll also make a movie about it. That yeah. seems crazy to me. Okay, mm-hmm. learn something new every day. Hey, and also, guys, real quick, Dirty Dozen, not a Western. Just as just to throw it out there, <laughs> not a Western. But I'll you tell you what. Stop I'll, your emails. Yeah. I'll tell you what our next movie is though, and that is Watchmen. Who will watch Woo. the Watchmen? We will. Uh, the 2000-something. Uh, Ooh, blue wieners. I love this movie, so I'm going in already a fan, and I know a lot of people def- defer and say, no, I don't like what Zack Snyder did. I actually think it's the best thing Snack Snack Snyder. Snack Snyder. Snack Snyder. Snack Snyder's. Um, well, that Zack Snyder has done. The secret code. <laughs> Please the Lord. Hallelujah. Anyway, <laughs> he. I like 300. I like his Dawn of the Dead remake. And I like um, that's it. And then this, and this is my, and this one's I think my favorite of those things. Before he went on to make very bad DC movies, and also that horrible sucker punch thing, which I think should have been our warning shot. We should have all seen mm-hmm. that coming and gone, okay, wait a minute, settle down, everybody. Now I do hear he's going back to his roots. We'll talk about this next week too, I'm sure. But uh, Netflix has offered him a bunch of money to make zombie movies uh, for the platform, and that's exciting to me because I think his Dawn of the Dead remake was really good. Um, mm. One of my favorite zombie movies, and we should do that on Film Sack if that ever shows up. Yeah, uh, if we haven't already, I can't uh, remember. But. And for those of you who have uh, have your own copy of Watchmen, we are watching the theatrical release version that is uh, two hours and forty one minutes long. Oh. Mm-hmm. If you are watching the director's cut, which is three hours and six <laughs> minutes long, or the ultimate cut, which is three and a half hours long, wow, uh, you're going to see some things we don't. Uh, that's the one that adds all the uh all the um oh, what was that side story in the comics with the, the, the shipwreck the, yeah, yeah the shipwreck. oh i didn't know they cut that out i had no idea yeah i mean i knew it wasn't in the movie and i knew it was in the book but i didn't realize that existed in film somewhere mm-hmm. i should yeah, watch animated. so i feel like i kind of want to see so that theatrical now. version go ahead and start writing your emails now talking about how if i would just watch the longer one i would like it go yeah. ahead just start writing them now i'm excited I really am. I kind of wanted to watch. I've never watched. I have it because I have the the big special edition Watchmen thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I might actually watch the big the big one. Oh, you the should, one. and then you, the then one. one of us can talk about it. But listeners at home, don't yeah. you know? We'll do what you want, but we're gonna do. We're gonna technically be mostly talking about the theatrical release. Mostly Black says Freighter. That's what it is. Black uh, Freighter. Yeah, the ultimate cut. Uh, 215 minute scenes include the expanded action sequences, additional exposition from the director's cut, even more exposition segments, and additionally interweaves the animated Black Freighter short into the story to mimic its role as the story within the story in the graphic novel. Oh, nice. Black Freighter. That was my nickname, uh, my porn nickname when I was in that business. <laughs> the Black Freighter. <laughs> yeah, the Black Freighter. Anyway, so uh, that's uh, next week. That's Watchmen. Uh, controversial yet exciting moment for us because it, it's actually been on our list for a while and it just keeps popping in and out of Netflix and it's finally on there. So we're going to jump on this one while we can. Well, and, and also Scott Johnson has a quota of bringing up the phrase blue, blue penis, I think. Oh, and blue so we have penis. to make sure and meet your quota. I cannot wait for more of the gigantic blue penis that shows up on screen <laughs> uh, and a very well animated, big, floppy Never erect, as far as I know. I know, but uh, Doctor Manhattan's wiener is all up in it. Wow! Yeah. Wow. So that's the thing. And then there, well, the other big memory for me is um, is how Rorschach goes. Well, I don't. That's not a spoiler, Rorschach. I guess. But the way Rorschach <laughs> goes out at the end is something else, man. That's just. Phew. 
It's a great, and if you haven't read the comic, you're all terrible and you should read it, um, people at home, because it's an amazing Jeez. comic book. It is. It's so good, dude. If you it's don't read, if you count yourself I like mean, any kind of genre. Te- call them terrible. If you're a genre nerd and you're an adult and you haven't read yeah, Watchmen. You should have read it. Yeah. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. Terrible. Uh, shame. All right, we're done. That's it. Uh, filmsack.com is our website. You can visit there, find out all our old stuff. Uh, I was just checking out the feed, and sure enough, it's all the way back to crawl. So if you've missed any old episodes, hot damn, it's all there for you. So go get it. Uh, you can uh, leave us voicemails. I'm going to start doing these again. I got that uh, voicemail working. 801-471-0462. If you have a voicemail for the show and you'd rather do that than an email, we'll take them. Filmsack at gmail.com is the email address if you prefer that. And you can find us on Twitter at Filmsack. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Nine. <laughs> Eleven. No. <laughs> we'll see you next year. Or uh, week. Not year. <laughs> week. <laughs> next year. Jeez. <laughs> This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Food. Cincinnati.